Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Hey, everybody. Today is a really big day in the life of Renewing the Center. So going back to August, my wife and I had this idea to launch a podcast. And for us, Renewing the Center is more than just a podcast. We hope in the post-pandemic days to do spiritual direction more regularly. My wife is a, a trained spiritual director, but also to create space for retreat environments. And increasingly for us, that's becoming a big part of our heart. Well, today, I just want to bear witness to the fact that we've hit a really big milestone. This is our 100th episode on the podcast. 101 if you count the trailer, but if you're looking at actual episodes, this is 100. And just last week, we passed 50,000 downloads. And so I just want to say, when you start something in the closet um, with blankets all around you to buffer uh, echo, you never know whether it's going to work or not, or if anybody's going to listen. And I just want to say thank you uh, to those of you who are uh, faithfully tuning in to listen to the podcast. Maybe some of you are just checking us out. Um, apparently, this this thing seems to be working, and we're just super excited and, and frankly, kind of blown away by the fact that so much energy and traction has uh, has been stirred by this podcast. So thank you. Um, let's celebrate if we can by, if you have not already done so, we'd love for you to give us a written review at Apple or wherever it is you access podcast content and share with your friends and family if this has been a gift to you. We want to continue to get the word out. It's been really fun so far, and maybe we'll see what the Lord does in the days, weeks ahead. Today, I want to read to you um, a, a resurrection text from the Daily Lectionary. So we're going to read from Mark 12 and then pray and jump in, see what we can see, think some clear thoughts about resurrection. Some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. There were seven brothers, the first married, and when he died, he left no children. The second married her and died, leaving no children. The third, likewise, none of the seven left children. Last of all, the woman herself died. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be? For the seven had married her. And Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong, that you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they are neither married nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses the story about the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would help us to not be quite wrong when we think about resurrection, Lord. This is a big idea. Easter is a season in which we're supposed to live into the idea. So help us to do that today on the podcast, uh, wherever it is we're accessing this content. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So my purpose today is to talk about resurrection because I think we actually have lots of confusion around this subject in the church. Firstly, I would just commend to you N.T. Wright, the 
scholar in the Anglican Church who lives now in Oxford is a professor. His book, Surprised by Hope, was a life-changing book for me. I don't, I cannot think of a better book to read during the, the Easter season. Here's what Wright says about resurrection. He says, resurrection is life after life after death. Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm going to say it again. Resurrection is life after life after death. So what's life after death? That's heaven. Heaven is what happens when you die. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so all Christians, we hope in heaven. But what the scriptures actually teach us is that heaven, resting with God, um, is not our ultimate future. Our ultimate telos or future goal, if you will, is resurrection. Resurrection is what's meant to happen at the end of the age. And I want to say this, resurrection necessarily involves the body. So it's something that happens to the body. First century Jews understood that resurrection meant something bodily happen. And this is really important for us because the church today is full of Gnosticism and Platonism. Gnosticism is an escape from physical body. So to be in heaven disembodied, and right now your grandmother is not resurrected if she's died and gone to be with the Lord. She is a disembodied spirit with God in heaven. Resurrection happens at the end of the age, and it's something that necessarily involves your body. So we have a lot of escapist thinking in the church, Gnosticism. Platonism is this idea of like, There's a chair on earth and there's a a perfect spiritual chair in heaven that's disembodied and that we're just all copies. And I think that in some ways our thinking about heaven has been clouded by both Gnosticism and Platonism. So let's look at Jesus. What what happened to Jesus? Because I'm going to tell you whatever it is that happened to Jesus in the resurrection is also going to happen to you. Um, We believe in a physical resurrection for all all the creatures of God, Um, some resurrected to life, some resurrected to death. So what happened to Jesus? Jesus was really alive, and then he became really dead, not mostly dead, not sick, not I'm going to get better, but dead, and then he became physically alive again. There was no Obi-Wan Kenobi flickering hologram. Jesus was a real touchable person. So when you look at the body of Jesus post-resurrection, the early church in the pages of the New Testament and early church fathers, they were struggling to wrap their heads around resurrection because it was something happening in the middle of human history that they thought would happen at the end of human history. See, Jews, with the exception of these Sadducees that we read about today, Pharisees, good Jews, they believed in a resurrection. They just thought it would happen at the end of all time. Jesus did in the middle of time what they thought was going to be reserved to the end. So here's what we see. There were uh, senses and marks of continuity in Jesus at his resurrection, and then there were moments of discontinuity. So let's think about the continuity. His hands... Marks of his murder were in his hands. That's continuity. That was the Jesus before and the Jesus after. They shared that. The familiarity of his voice. We, we see that when he called Mary by her name, she recognized him. But then there was discontinuity. He was mistaken by his friends for the gardener. They thought he was somebody else. He could walk through walls and doors. He did things that even the pre-resurrection Jesus did not do. So the church was thinking, okay, there's something about Jesus' physical body that is the same, and then there are some things that are not the same. 
There's this reality that in the resurrection, Jesus gets his body back. And I'm going to say some things in a few minutes that I hope will inspire you. He still has his body back. He gets his body back, and yet he is now completely liberated from death and decay. He's able to live simultaneously in our world and in God's world. And that brings me to something that I think is really important for us to wrestle with and to really think about. When we see the resurrection, and specifically at the end of Revelation, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God and being established on the earth, a renewed earth, we get confused with up versus down. We think, well, God's world is up in the sky and our world is down here. And some of that confusion actually really hinders us because we imagine that heaven is sort of geographically proximate. God's country is proximate up and we are down. I don't think it's helpful to think of it that way. I actually think the way uh, C.S. Lewis thought about it in the Chronicles of Narnia is more helpful. God's world, which is listed in the scripture or named geographically or directionally as up, is really just greater than, bigger than, and unseen, really, when it comes to our own eyes. But C.S. Lewis, when he spoke about stumbling through the wardrobe and entering, ending up in Narnia, God's country, really said it, I think, best, that God's world and our world are separate but they're not as far apart as we might imagine. I actually think that's why after the resurrection, when many holy people were seen in and around Jerusalem, it was as if a veil had been pulled back or a wardrobe door had been swung open. And all of a sudden, we realize that God's country and our country um, are not as proximately far from one another or disconnected as we might imagine. See, God's world and our world touch in the resurrection. What Jesus did when he conquered death was he basically moved through death. He did not avoid it. He did not run from it. He did not work around it. He went right through it and conquered death and then lives a fully embodied existence on the other side of death. Y'all, resurrection means that Jesus right now is sitting in God's country at the right hand of the Father as a fully embodied Jesus Christ, which means that if you could stumble through that wardrobe, and one day you will, because one day we will be resurrected too, we will see the fully embodied Jesus. If you could get to him right now, you could touch him. You could embrace him. He is not disembodied. He is not a spirit. He is a fully embodied, resurrected son of God. So what that means for you and me is that as we enter into the Easter season and we try to wrap our heads around resurrection, that means that when you pray to Jesus, you are praying to a fully embodied son of God. You're not praying to an idea. You're not praying to a memory. You're not praying to a spirit. You are praying to the fully embodied, resurrected son of God. And one day upon his return, when you two are resurrected, you will see him as he is, and he will see you in a fully embodied, resurrected world. So here's what this means for us. I believe that life after life after death means that when we die, there is a two-step process at play according to the scripture. And this is what the Jews believed, and this is what the early church believed, but somewhere along the way, we've lost some clarity around this. When you die, you will go to heaven if you belong to Jesus, if you trust in him. And there is hope there, and it is going to be wonderful. Jesus used the words to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. But heaven is not the end of your story. Heaven is going to be awesome. But what we see is that heaven is what happens is this intermediate step where we are with Jesus until the end of all things. And then at the end of all things, 
there will be resurrection across the board. Jesus first and then us. Jesus has been resurrected in the middle of human history and then you and me will come next. So the two steps, life after death is heaven, but resurrection is life after life after death. And if you read the very end of your Bible, when the new Jerusalem comes from God, his country, and is established on a renewed earth, that we are going to live a fully embodied, resurrected existence on a renewed earth. The new Jerusalem is not pie in the sky somewhere else. It's a real, liberated, death-free, no more tears, no more suffering, no more violence, incarnated, embodied life on a new Jerusalem, a new earth. That's your future. This is why we call ourselves Easter people, because we are going to live out a fully embodied life with God as our king, as our center, as our light. I want you to try to wrap your heart around that. That's why we take 50 days during this Easter period, because this is a big idea. Father, I pray that you would remind us that we're Easter people God, that we don't have to run from death. We don't have to fear uncertainty. We don't have to fear loss because you, Jesus, have gone first and you have conquered death. And one day, Lord, we affirm here in the shadowlands that we too will conquer death and follow you into full, resurrected, embodied life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you felt moved or inspired by something in this podcast, an idea, an image, or an impression, Carry it with you into your day as a prayer, coming back to it again and again in the spaces throughout your day. Be curious about what God wants to show you. What in your life needs to hear this word of encouragement, inspiration, or course correction? And be courageous in your response. The Holy Spirit will give you the grace to carry out whatever He places on your heart. And thank you for being with us today. We look forward to having you with us again next time here at Renewing the Center.